Hi there, my name is Lindy van Yerden and welcome to the Be Known Podcast. If you are feeling stuck and craving more from your life, then you are at the right place. If you have kids running around like I have and never find time for yourself, you are at the right place. If you want to change your life and build a side business to call your own, you are at the right place. Grab a cup of coffee and join me. I'm also a busy mom, so I promise to keep things short and sweet. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's begin. Today I welcome Elizabeth Hamilton. Elizabeth spent the first decade of her career immersed in the world of fine arts and fashion. While she loved the beauty and creativity of those fields, she couldn't resist the call of entrepreneurship. Today, she is a multi-passionate entrepreneur who brings style and beauty to fellow entrepreneurs through business, branding, services, as well as personal styling. When she's not talking all things style and design, you can find her wandering the aisles of Target, drinking way too much coffee, and hanging out with her family. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I find your industry so interesting. So I am so excited to be talking to you today because I feel like there's so many people that find themselves in this creative space being multi-passionate, but not necessarily an entrepreneur. So I think it will be really interesting to hear a bit about your background story and to find out how all of these things emerge. But first, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners and tell us a little bit more about you. All right. Yeah, great. Well, my name is Elizabeth and I am one of those people that always knew I wanted to be creative and I knew I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. But that didn't translate to immediately knowing what to do when I got out of uni. So I did study art in college. I'm going to call it here uni over in the UK. But um, so I knew I, I wanted to study art, but I didn't exactly know how to translate that into a way to support myself. So I thought that maybe staying in the arts and just kind of seeing where my journey went would be a great start. So I took a position in a fine art museum in the publications department. And that's actually where I first really delved into the world of branding. And it was such an incredible place to work and be surrounded by really creative coworkers and of course, fine art. And it was also super relaxed compared to my friends who'd gone into corporate. Uh, it was a nonprofit since it's a museum. And I really was happy there, but I knew that the good thing about nonprofits is that they are more relaxed, but the bad thing is there's not always a lot of room for growth. Mm-hmm. And I am someone who just has that call to growth and to learning new things and just to always keep kind of moving towards being ambitious bigger. Yeah. Which I think, you know, most entrepreneurs can understand that, right. You're not the type to just get a job and stay there for 50 years because it's like, okay. So I spent about four or five years there and I learned a lot, but then I was newly married and looking to kind of relocate from where I was. And I, um, 
I did actually one year in corporate and that was absolutely terrible. It was in telecom. And that confirmed to me that I did make a lot more money, but it was horrible. I had to do something creative. It did not matter how much they paid me. It was not for me. So after a year in telecom, I went back to the creative world and I got into fashion styling. And I think that people hear different creative endeavors and they think, wow, those are all so different. Like, how does that work? But the cool thing is that really, if you've developed an eye for design and for color and proportion, that a lot of those things translate from graphic design to clothing, styling, probably to interior styling. I mean, there's a lot that crosses over. And I did like the challenge of trying sort of a different way of applying being creative. And the thing I loved about fashion styling is that you really are doing so much more for the person than just finding them clothes. You're really helping them to see themselves in a bigger way, to have more confidence, to really show up for their life with a different energy. Because I think we all can, you know, relate to the fact that some days we're wearing something that makes us feel awesome. And some days maybe not so much. Even the terms like power suit or little black dress imply mm. you're going to feel different in those items than you would in like sweatpants and a t-shirt, right? So I really loved being able to work with people and help create that difference, help them to see themselves, to really visualize themselves as someone who can do more or be more or be confident I love that you were so real in the first instance saying that you came out of uni and you felt like you didn't really have a clear path because I feel like so many people give this impression of we all need to know where we're going, what we want to do, we need to have everything figured out or also the the new social media kind of craze that everyone has everything figured out and we both know that that is not the case so thank you for being honest in that step of saying that you didn't know what that next step was because I feel like there's a lot of people that will be at that point saying that I'm here and I'm supposed to know what the next step is but I don't have a clue. And for someone like you that is so multi-passionate, I feel like that is something that speaks quite a lot because I think there's other people that can resonate with that as well, thinking that they love this, but they love this and how do we combine it? So how did you find a way to combine that creative fine arts with the image consulting, but also branding and graphic design? Yeah, I mean, there's so much there. I think my main piece of advice to people is that you just have to trust the process that like you can't miss your own destiny because it's yours. And it's, you just have to hold that faith that like you're on the path. And even if you can't see the whole path, you just take the next step forward and the path will evolve. Cause I will say too, if I had known exactly on the first day out of school, exactly like what I would be doing now, I didn't have all that experience yet to really even do it, right? So sometimes it feels like you're kind of spinning your wheels or wasting time, but you may be building up the expertise that you're gonna leverage later in a way that you can't see yet because you just haven't put all the pieces together. 
but it doesn't mean that you're wasting time. You're always building skills and experiences and a network of friends and colleagues. And that can open doors for you later that you just, you just don't know yet. So I would say, you know, to take encouragement from that, but then, um, also, yeah. So how I went from design was partly just based on demand. You know, they say you need to sell what your customers want, not what you want to sell. And I had people say, you know, you have such a great eye and you used to be in publishing at the museum. Why don't you combine that into helping people with their brand identity? And I think it's an, the thing that I love about it is that a lot of female entrepreneurs are a little bit anxious or perhaps intimidated about putting themselves forward as the face of their brand. But what I love is that I'm in kind of a unique position to help them get the identity of the actual brand kind of together with like the logo and the more traditional branding things. But then I can also help the, like the CEO, the the solopreneur, Mm. the person who runs it to also feel great about stepping into that CEO role. And that's kind of a really unique offering that I don't know a lot of other you know, graphic designers offering, and I don't know a lot of personal stylists who offer design. And I find that mm. there's a lot of synergy there. And that when you can put both of those pieces together, you're going to have a lot more momentum because even a beautifully designed brand isn't enough anymore. You can't hide mm. behind it as the person running the brand. Customers want to get to know you. Yeah. Do you... There's a lot of people that spend a lot of time on their branding, their graphic design before they get started. And they almost get this procrastination that everything needs to be perfect. And I think that that's also very much a tendency of women to want to have things perfect, especially because they have this fear of showing themselves and showing this business. So they want it to be something that they can be proud of. Do you feel like that that was something that you were stuck on as well in the beginning, getting things kind of perfect before you launch or how have you experienced it with some of your customers? Um, You know, it's not something that I did. I'm very much like rip the bandaid off personality and just like go for it. Um, But not everyone has that personality sort of makeup. And I know a lot of people really do struggle with this. And the thing that I would say is that you don't have to be right the first time. This is not like open heart surgery. You can launch with one color and then be like, you know what? That didn't work. Or your brand will evolve. Even if you love the brand you start with, your brand may still evolve in a way that you didn't predict or over time or just your own taste change as you maybe get older or enter a new life stage or move countries. Like there's tons of things that can change. And that's sort of the good thing is that you're the owner, you're the creative. It doesn't have to be set in stone. And really even major corporations, they are still evolving. Like Coca-Cola doesn't look exactly the same as it did when it launched and people still like the product, right? So I think just really being open to the fact that you're going to learn. And that's actually why I encourage people 
to not overinvest in design, like being custom when you're brand new, because mm-hmm. you probably don't even know yet what you really need. Even like I see people who still design a lot of business cards, but I mean, I haven't gotten a business card from someone in forever. Like you, I don't know, even before COVID, I didn't get a lot of business cards. Right. And now in post COVID, I mean, I haven't gotten a business card in two years practically. So, Mm. you know, things like that, like who would have known how COVID would affect our businesses and like, we need to be more digital and maybe you're moving things that you used to print into the digital form. So just staying nimble is a part of being an entrepreneur and give yourself freedom to experiment and change and evolve because a brand that's stuck is not a brand that's thriving anyway. I love that. That is like a quote that needs to go at the front, like a brand that is not changing and evolving. That is not a good thing. Um, you will change according to your customers. You will change according to you, what you're doing. And I feel like that's a very valuable lesson, especially for new people starting out. They, I've heard of so many entrepreneurs that spend thousands on thousands of dollars on websites, and that already puts them back a few steps because now they need to make money up to pay for the things that they haven't even earned yet. Um, and then they launch the website and then absolute crickets like well you kind of made this logo website a very big thing that it needs to be perfect but no one will look at your logo no one will look at your website before they even know you so there is a time for you to actually go out and build a bit of an audience before you actually launch the high Um, value website, the very expensive logos, the very perfect branding. Um, You mentioned a previous time to me um, a bit about McDonald's and their branding. And I'd like you to touch base on that as well. Yeah, McDonald's is one of my favorite examples of branding because I don't like their colors. I think people get stuck in Mm. this, this mentality of like the one right only way that there's like one best color that's going to be my ticket to success, or this is the right way to brand, or there's only one way to design this logo that's going to make me a millionaire. But it's just not true. You got to release the fact that branding is not, I mean, really in most things in life, there's not one right only way. And look at McDonald's. They because I think colors are one thing that people get really stuck on color, color, color. What's the right color, even if they like, like pink or something, but what shade of pink and how many pinks and Mm. we don't need to get stuck in the weeds when we could be out Mm. selling our product instead of changing Pantone colors, Mm. because look at McDonald's, their colors are red and yellow stripes with a clown as like their mascot and the golden arches, right? It is Mm. kind of a crazy brand. Most people's favorite color combo is not red and yellow together, but they were wildly successful because they had a consistent product that solved a problem at a good price point that people wanted and they stuck with that and then they grew it. They didn't like switch around saying, oh, I wonder if we could sell more hamburgers if our brand colors were like blue and yellow and then red and green and then green and whatever, like they stuck with it and it became super recognizable. 
And really that's the point of the brand is more to be recognizable. Yeah. than it is to be perfect. Cause even if you line up, say your audience is, I don't know, whatever millennial moms or female business owners or men in banking over the age of 50, if you line those groups up, even within the group, people are going to have different opinions. Not every mom who's a millennial Mm. likes the same colors. Some of them are really boho. Some are really classic. Like you're not going to appeal to everyone no matter what. So you really, because I hear that a lot and I really have hot sports opinions against this. The whole like idea that you have to have an avatar and you have to, your whole brand has to be what that Mm. avatar would like like you're just guessing because I serve female entrepreneurs, but I can tell you female entrepreneurs like different colors and some of them like script fonts and some of them. I don't like pink. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so, and a lot of people do so, but also Mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't choose someone to help you with your messaging or your branding necessarily because their color was pink. And Mm -hmm. I can tell you some of the recent purchases I've made in my business I did not like the brand colors of the person, but it doesn't matter. I liked their product. Mm. I liked what they were selling and they had compelling messaging around it. Mm. And that's really like the the visual design is just the introduction. You have to have a strong product and a strong message behind it because colors or fonts alone, no matter how pretty it is, are not going to close your sale. And there was a a quote that I heard you say a previous time, people go broke branding themselves. And I am completely like for that as well. Like do not spend all of your hard earned money or savings launching your website, doing all of these branding stuff that hasn't even been proven to be successful. If you don't have a success, successful ish business, don't go rebrand and don't go high end just to have something and then you need to be doing the rest of the work yeah and that's actually why I'm a huge fan of of a nicely designed template and I sell them tons of people sell them there's lovely ones on Etsy Mm. like you can get them pretty easily and you could you do want a little bit of consistency even when you're starting out because Mm. you want people to invest and you want people to trust you and like for them to invest they have to trust you So you do want a little bit, but you can be scrappy. You can find that stuff on the cheap, take a template, customize it, make it your own. And then when you've achieved a year or consistent sales or something, then you can really refine it into like exactly what you want. So I'm not saying you don't need anything, but there are ways to be scrappy and do it quickly and on the cheap and really get your business going and not let that be the thing that holds you back. I love that. Um, And also I think that's a good, that's good advice for new people starting out. Like you might be comparing yourself to other companies out there, but that's probably their third or fourth logo. And they've probably been in business for quite a few years. Rather compare yourself with people in your own um, um, space at that stage you might be, care, be, uh, be comparing your chapter one to their chapter 20 um, and that is not um, a good comparison because you think you need to be competing with them 
And I think that that's another lesson for smaller businesses is not to be looking at what everyone else is doing or their branding, but rather sticking to you and what's unique about you and selling you. Yeah, absolutely. So many people try to recreate someone else's successful business, but if it doesn't have that like spark of yourself in it, it's not going to have the same results as that person's successful business. Because if it was successful, it probably like was in alignment with who they are. And so you have to find that for yourself. And that's part of what, you know, just takes time. And sometimes it takes trial and error. And sometimes you start something and it's a miserable failure. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your transition from working for a company and earning a salary versus moving to being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think that a lot about being an entrepreneur is really about being flexible and kind of having that self guidance, right? Because I know a lot of people take that employee mindset into being their own boss and that is not going to serve you well. You really have to move into that CEO role, that visionary for Mm -hmm. your company, if you're going to grow, because it's normal. Like we're, when we're kids, our parents tell us what to do. And then we go to school and our teachers tell us what to do. And then we get a job and our boss tells us what to do. So it's, it's how like 99% of us have spent most of our life. So it is a transition and you just have to give yourself grace. If you feel lost and confused in your first year in business, that is normal. And Yes, that is just very part much of it. So. It's part of it, right? I mean, it's like when you learn to ride a bike, were you amazing on your first time to try? Probably not. So you have to kind of get the feel for it. And I think being your own boss is the same way. I, I certainly know of people who've had financial problems when they're on their own. For me, it was a question of just kind of budgeting. A lot of people like to stage into having, you know, growing a side hustle, it's making a little bit of money, then they let go of their real thing. Um, I actually was diagnosed with early stage cancer and just quit my job um, because I had a newborn and I had cancer and that was enough. So I started my job after that. So it was like from nothing, but um, that's unusual. You can do that, just start from nothing and Sometimes that's helpful because it life kind of forced you to take that leap in a way that maybe you wouldn't have um, as quickly otherwise. But, you know, I think it's just about being prepared and being realistic that your first month out of the gate is for most of us, not going to be, you know, some $10,000 success. So just be realistic. There's going to be some slow times, but you're in it for the long game. You can't start a business if you just want to do it. I mean, I guess you can. I don't recommend starting a business if you're just doing it like for some sort of short-term money infusion. Like if you're in it for the long game, you have to know that there's a stage where you're building momentum and before it takes off, it's slower. And we've all been there. Yeah. And a lot of the times what happens is once you start growing, you start spending more money on resources to keep growing and to keep all the customers happy and um, uh, programs and behind the scenes help or virtual assistance to actually keep that momentum that you've been been building. Um, 
So I think that's definitely a very important part. Like you need to find a business also that you really love to do and something that you're passionate about. Otherwise, when those things start kicking in and the business sense of it, people might not be as motivated to keep going. Yeah, for sure. And I think kind of speaking to that, you have to find something that you're willing to do even when it's not new anymore. Because I think a lot Mm -hmm. of entrepreneurs get into business because they think, oh, this will be exciting. But nothing Mm -hmm. is exciting every single day forever, right? So it has to be something that you can stick with long enough to really build that momentum. If you always switch from thing to thing to thing, you're never going to really become that person who's known for what you do because you're not giving yourself time to really establish it. Yeah. And tell me a little bit, how do you find that transition? Because you've, you've mentioned about your health and being diagnosed with cancer and you've mentioned having a newborn and then starting your own business. How did you feel that transition was, um, and wearing all of that hats, that hats of, I need to practice self-care and look after myself. I need to be a mom, but I want to start a business and there's marketing and I love fine arts and I love branding and I love image consulting and kind of wearing all of that hats of being a boss, but also being an employee and managing all of those tasks all together. Yeah, I would say it's a lot. (laughs) And, you know, it's not a perfect balance from season to season. And just like, you know, COVID was obviously crazy because my kids were home a lot more. I never Mm. thought schools would close for a year. Like, I mean, you know, previously that would have been crazy. That would never happen. No one predicts that. (laughs) Right. We would all say that would never happen. Um, But I think the main thing is, So I have what I call my North Star question in business and in life. So I have two kids. My older one is a a boy and my son. So he'll go to college first just because he's older. So my North Star question is, will what I'm about to do matter on the day that I drop him off at college and my time as a mom is like starting to end, my kids are like starting to leave the nest when I drop him off on the curb with his extra long sheets and his, you know, pile of new papers and pencils, when I look back at the decision I'm currently making, well, I think that was important or that was not important. And for me, that makes sure that my business is serving my life rather than like my life is feeding my business. So for me, like an example is like, I just, I'm publishing a book this year. So when I drop my son off at college, I think I'll look back on publishing a book and be like, that was amazing. That was worth making time for. But I haven't posted on Instagram this week because life has been crazy. But when I look back as I drop him off at college and I think, oh, I missed five days on Instagram, that will for me not be important, right? So I think everyone has to have their own way to create, I call it the North Star, but like that thing that you're like, Mm. this is why I do this. I do this because when I drop him off at college, I wanna know that I really gave my all to being a great mom, but also like following my own dreams and setting that example for my kids. And sometimes you get lost in the day-to-day of like what's going Mm. on in your life 
and you have to look at it like, like my son kind of got injured this week and he's on crutches. Being there for him when he was injured and he was freaking out, getting his stitches and all this, that's, that's a North Star moment for me. That mattered that he felt loved and secured. And the fact that I didn't do a lot of work that day, that's not gonna matter in my grand scheme. And that may not resonate with you as your North Star, but I encourage everyone to have that thing that brings them back, that focuses and says like, I'm not just in this to make six figures or whatever, because you'll meet those goals and they won't always matter. You need something that's really like, this is what matters in my life. This is what I'm about. And I'm going to arrange my priorities to serve this goal. And so whatever that is for you, that helps you to navigate all the seasons, the shifts, the turns, the things you can predict, the things you cannot predict, and then hold it. You know, it helps you hold some of the smaller things more loosely. Like maybe this won't matter in 20 years and maybe this will, right? So you have to have a way to parse that out for yourself. Wow. Uh, my, my next question was actually to ask what would be one of your best pieces of advice for new entrepreneurs? But I think you kind of answered that. And I absolutely love that answer. And I, I wish more people knew that before going in. Like, what is your North Star and what will matter in 10, 20 years time? Because I feel like a lot of people get lost on that. Everyone else is making $10,000 a month. I need to as well. That needs to be my a benchmark as well, earning six figures a year, earning, um, and I think being a mother or sometimes being something else, a wife, or whether it is that you're looking after your parents and helping family out, sometimes there's there's more value and things don't matter as much as the people around you. And if your business is not supporting your life, then you might as well be working for a boss and earn a salary and have less of the stress and just clock in every day. But your business also needs to be supporting your life and be there to supplement whatever it is that's important to you. Yeah, for sure. And and like I kind of mentioned, I encourage people to pick a North Star that doesn't have like a, it's not money related. It's not like 10 K months or a hundred thousand year, or even like to make seven figures, because if you stay in the game long enough, you can totally do all those things. You can have a hundred thousand dollars in your checking account or whatever, but you're going to get there and you're going to think, huh? So I have a hundred thousand dollars. What does that really say about me? Or what does that do? Or like, what did that really get me? Um, I think you're going to, Yeah, you're going to find that like, it doesn't, it's like you, the best way I think to use that money is like towards a bigger goal, right? Like it's to spend the time with your kids or it's to like be a philanthropist or to support a cause you really believe in or something like when it's just about the money, you're going to get burned out probably because you'll get the money and realize it's not about the money. Yeah, it's never about it's never about the money. It's never about the money. And I, I'm a big fan of money is really good. And I love money right. and money supplements my life. But again, it's not about the money. If I had all of the money that I 
dream and work for if I put all of that money in a big room and I close the door would I still be happy no because that money it's not about the physical money it's about what it can do and it's like you mentioned it's about the freedom that it provides you or the the um, security that you don't have to work or it's a pension fund that you don't have to um, be working at an old age or it is a security or it is taking family on a holiday or spending time with family but it's it's never about the actual money yeah I was just reading a book last night called we should all be millionaires and it's about female empowerment financially and it was interesting because she said that like money is a weird loop where in the beginning you're trying to get the money and you're giving away your time for the money, but then eventually everyone loops back to where they have enough money. They're buying back their own time Mm -hmm. by hiring things out. Right. So what do millionaires do? They hire a chef to buy back their evenings Mm -hmm. from not cooking and they hire a whatever housekeeper or something. And then it's, that's kind of telling that the ultimate luxury is buying back your own time, time. with the money you made because it's because it's not about the money in the end. <laughs> it is. It's it's so true. And I think um, you're talking about that book. I remember. I think it was Tony Robbins. I'm I'm talking under correction here, but I think it was Tony Robbins, and he spoke about this fisherman and um, this guy coming, walking up to him and saying that, you know, if you, all the fish that you caught, if you would actually sell it at the market and you save that money up, you can hire someone else to be fishing with you and you can make, you can catch twice as many fish and make twice as much money. And, and the guy was like, well, why would I do that? Like, if I have all of the money, I would spend my time fishing and I'm doing that right now. Why would I actually, yeah, why would I actually go in this whole loop? So I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to just remember that beforehand and not get too caught up in the hustle and the game instead of also focusing on what is the end? What is the reason? Yes, I completely agree. And when you're clear on that, it will help you get through the rough patches because the rough patches will come. They come for everyone. And you have to be ready for that. But then also know that that's just part of the journey. And without the rough patches, you maybe wouldn't see the highlights for being what they are. Yeah. Elizabeth, I I have so many more questions that I can ask you, but I think I'm actually going to stop there because I think there's so many golden nuggets. And I think that I don't want to overwhelm everyone and that because I really want them to keep all of this value and especially the way that we've ended now. What I do want to ask you as a very last question, if there's someone in the audience and they want to connect with you, either they're in the US or they are inspired by your story and they want to connect or they want to know more about your upcoming book, how can they reach you? Yes, you can find me. I'm relatively active on Instagram at bonjour.branding. I try to be, I try to be. And then um, you can also find me at bonjourbranding.com and my website will have more about my book, which releases this fall. And it's about the, um, it's actually a group of women who came together to write this book, to share all of our top secrets and tips for living an entrepreneurial life that 
fulfills you, but also pays the bills. So I think it's going to be really good. I'm excited about it. And I hope you'll all check it out. Exciting. And for every for anyone that missed that as well, we will be posting the links for the website, Instagram, etc. in the descriptions below. So please make sure to click on those links if you want to get in contact with Elizabeth. Elizabeth, thank you so much for spending your time with me and I really appreciated it. Of course, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and staying till the very end. I really hope you enjoyed it. To get a free virtual coffee session with me, give me some feedback. Write a review, take a screenshot, tag me and send it to me. I will email you a link to book your session. Subscribe to my podcast if you want to hear more and see you in the next episode.